Um, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning, and if you want to turn there with me, I invite you to do it. We're going to look at a few scriptures today. We're, we're still on this subject of the new covenant kings and kingdom authority, and so I want to continue that this morning, and the Bible says very clearly that Jesus has made us kings and priests unto God. And so as a priest, we serve the Lord and we serve the Lord's people. But as a king, we exercise authority and dominion on behalf of the kingdom. Jesus is the king. We're kind of like lords, if you will. And so we are serving under a delegated authority of Jesus Christ. And would to God, the church was really serving in that capacity in our world today. Um, the, the, the world that we live in is in drastic need of help from the church of Jesus Christ. And that help that is going to come through the church of Jesus Christ is really the authority and the power of God's kingdom manifested through our life. And so we are new covenant kings. That is what we have been brought into through the relationship of God with his son Jesus. And Jesus said that as the father has sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. And one of the statements that Jesus said is when he came into the world, he came to defeat principalities and powers. He came to do war with darkness and to overcome it. In John's gospel, he opens up in chapter 1 that says, And the light came into the world, and the darkness comprehended it not. That means it wasn't able to overpower the light of Jesus Christ. And now that light of Jesus is in us. We are the light of the world because he lives in us as his light. Don't cover it. You can put that light under a bushel or behind your flesh, but don't cover it. We are here to reprove the darkness. We are here to declare and to manifest the facts that Jesus Christ is truly alive. And he has ascended into heaven and all authority and all power is his. The church of Jesus Christ is a ruling power on the earth. It is invested with authority over all other powers, natural laws and rulers, both physical and spiritual that operate in this world. The Lord Jesus was given a body by the Father, as I expressed to this in the Encourage Conference. In that human body, Jesus did everything the Father wanted him to do. Casting out devils, speaking to storms and their peace, and curing those that were sick, teaching the things of the kingdom of God. There was nothing that was impossible for Jesus to do in that human body. When Jesus went to heaven, he left a body for the Holy Spirit. And that body is the church of Jesus Christ. That's you and me. And therefore, it is so important for us to live in unity. For us to have the same mind, which is the mind of Christ. And apart from that, if we bring our own opinions in here, and we do our own desires, our own selfish will, and we don't yield ourselves to the will of God, then through that division, the Holy Spirit is hindered. Imagine what Jesus did in the earth 2,000 years ago. And you could only imagine that if Jesus were to suddenly appear in Baton Rouge and walk our streets... It would not be very long before Jesus was the headlines of every newspaper and every radio and, and, and news show on TV. People being healed, people being delivered, drug addicts being set free, demons being cast out. But Jesus desires that to happen in our city. And the problem is not with God, but the problem is the dissension 
in the church, the unbelief in the church, the disqualification personally of our own selves that God, how could he ever do anything through my life? Our personal comforts, our personal desires, our selfish ways, that the the kingdom of God takes second seat to the things that we want to do. And so if, if we could allow the Holy Spirit to really get a hold of us, then he would begin to demonstrate Jesus on our streets as though Jesus himself were here because he is here in his church. But it's not the world that's holding back God. It's the church of Jesus Christ that's holding back God. Nothing in this world can grieve him or hinder him. Jesus made this promise to the church that if you say to this mountain and you believe to be cast from here into the sea, it would obey If you drink any deadly thing, it would not hurt you. I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I give you authority to raise the dead, call fire from heaven. Even in the Old Testament, they stopped the sun. They put armies to flight, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. But who believes this? Who actually believes that this is the possibility of a life that lives with God? In 1 John chapter 4, the Bible tells us this. That as he is, so are we in this world. As he is right now, he is ascended into heaven. He sits as Lord of lords and King of kings. He is over all authority, all power, all dominion. Everything is beneath him. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says that we as the church are seated with him in heavenly places. At the end of Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we are his body. And if we are his body and everything is beneath him, then he is transferred, he is delegated to us that kind of authority that actually the powers of hell must submit to the authority of God that is in our life. I've experienced this many times in my life, as well as many of you have in your life. It's not to be a rare occurrence. It should be an occurrence that happens very common in our life. The only true power on earth is the church of Jesus Christ. Spiritism and occultism have nothing on us. But our bookstores are filled with witchcraft. And Disney is indoctrinating and has been. This is not new. Disney has been indoctrinating our children for decades in witchcraft and spells and casting of spells. And as Christian parents, we allowed our children to go through with it. Even reading vampire books and Twilight and the romance with the dead. All of these things is an indoctrination of it. We wonder today, where's the authority in the church when we bow to things like Disney and all of these other types of occultic moves today, wondering where's the authority of God. Well, I'm going to tell you, God's authority is there, waiting on the believer to believe, to separate themselves to the things of God, and to walk with the Lord unashamedly and courageously in all the things that God desires for us to do. The Bible tells us that miracles are a demonstration of the kingdom of heaven. Where the kingdom of heaven is, there is a demonstration of a supernatural law that is at work in our natural world. We live in a natural world run by natural law. And so therefore scientists are able to do science because there's such a fine tuning of our universe. 
Everything is predictable. Today is as predictable as yesterday. That's why we can do science. Because the physics of yesterday is the physics of today. And therefore we can, we can plot things out and we can test things and we can watch things through observance. But when God moves, he doesn't operate through natural law. He operates through his supernatural way. One of the great apologists of, of the day, a man by the name of John Lennox, a mathematician out of Cambridge, he gave the illustration of miracles. Of, of course God can work miracles if there is a God. He just reaches into the box and does something that's not natural, it's supernatural. And he gave the example, he said, I'm staying at a hotel in, in Texas, and he said, one night I come home and I put $100 in my desk drawer in my hotel the next night I come and I put another $100 in my desk drawer in the hotel. That's $200. The next day I come back to my hotel room and I find that there's only $100 in that desk drawer. So I ask myself, what has been broken? Was natural law, the law of mathematics broken or was the law of Texas broken? And God can reach in and do anything that he desires to do. He doesn't have to abide by our laws. That's why he can calm storms and walk on the sea and give his church the authority to be able to operate in the very same way. Casting out of devils, dealing with Satan, or connected with the kingdom of God. Miracles are the assurance that the kingdom of God will come as it has been predicted. The resurrection of the dead, sickness and death, banished and overpowered. The removal of blindness, lameness, deafness, dumbness. The remedy to hunger, thirst, famine. The giving of place to plenty is all a part of the kingdom of God. You see, the things that Jesus was doing in his life on earth, the things that Jesus was teaching through his parables, the significant aspect of everything that he did and everything that he taught was this. The kingdom of God is here and it is taking over. And he, he, he used the analogy that it comes in seed form, but that seed is going to grow. And beloved, the kingdom of God has grown into all of the world. The knowledge of God, but not the intent that it's going to be when Jesus himself returns to earth and totally banishes the rule of hell. We're not going to bring in peace and utopia. Jesus will when he comes. But the kingdom of God is expanding. And therefore the miracles of Jesus were declarations. That when the king is in charge. When God is in charge. This is what the world's going to be like. No more hunger because I can feed the world with just a little fish and bread. I can take care of that. I can steal storms. I can stop the natural disasters that are going on in the world. There doesn't have to be deformed people, lame people, sick people. And in the kingdom of God, it's not going to exist because when God's in charge, it's going to be perfect. And that's what Jesus was declaring. And therefore, we as the church are told to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is there is another kingdom that you can come out of this oppression and this darkness and this death of hell. Don't, don't move from the darkness of hell and the death of hell into the devil's religion of, of even Christianity that, that is, that denies the power of God. Come into the fullness of the life of Jesus Christ. Where there's liberty and there's power and there's grace and there's glory. 
There's joy and there's the demonstration of God's kingdom. This natural world will be completely under the rule of the Messiah. The miracles of the drought of fish, the storms that were stilled, the ships that were suddenly at their destination, the walking on the sea, the fish bringing tax money, the water changed into wine, all indicate that he who sets up this kingdom has indeed the power to rule over it and to rule over nature. This kingdom of God will remove the curse from man, nature, and culture and will shower the earth with the blessings and the knowledge of God from sea to sea. And it will absolutely be as God intended it to be. What a world and what a kingdom. And that is what we're supposed to be demonstrating. It is not something that we just talk about, but it is something that we're supposed to be demonstrating. So in, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he tells us in verse 20, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So beloved, I ask you this, where's your power? What is your power? How is God working through your life? What's supernatural about your life? What is it that caused people to sit back and, and ask the question, how do you do what you do? How do you live the way that you live? How do these things happen through your life? Is there anything at all impressive about your Christianity? Is the only thing about Christianity that we are able to say for ourselves is what we don't do now? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't watch those kind of movies. I don't curse. I don't lie. Great. You don't do those things. And there's a lot of religions that don't do those things. And there's a lot of Mormons that don't do those things. But what do you do? And the kingdom of God is not simply in what you don't do anymore. But what do you do? Where is the power of God in you to do? That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. The ability to do. Not just the ability to confess, I don't do those things anymore. There's a lot of people that don't do those things anymore. There's a lot of people in AA that don't get drunk anymore, but they don't know God. So what do we do? Where is the power of God in our life? Where is the awesomeness of, of the resurrection of Jesus In our lives, in Romans chapter 1, if you will, please, I I just want you to see the testimony of Paul's life. Many times we say that we are full gospel. I've talked to my dear Baptist friends about that, and they would say, so what kind of church, what denomination? I say, we're full gospel. And they say, well, what does that mean? Because we're full gospel too. And I said, you are. I said, so, so these things are happening in your ministry and life. And when, it, when you take it through, a lot of them kind of hang their head. and say, no, that's not really going on with us. We just have a, a testimony or confession, but there's half of it that's missing. And, it, it, and if you're going to be full gospel, you've got to have the full thing, right? So Paul says it in Romans chapter 1, and he talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ, this gospel of God, 
has the power to save anyone and everyone. It has the power. The gospel of Jesus Christ will never meet a human being that it is incapable of delivering or saving. It's just impossible. So that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is revealed in you being able to receive God's righteousness through faith. Not a righteousness that comes by works or church attendance or giving, but a righteousness that comes by faith. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the full gospel of Jesus Christ is more than that. That's the gospel that a lot of people are preaching today. But that is not the full gospel. And so for the full gospel, you have to go to the end of Romans in chapter 15. And you will find what Paul states as he comes back to the declaration of the gospel. And he tells us this, which is absolutely beautiful. And he says in verse 17, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Now here's, here it is. Through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. A gospel that is fully preached has to be a gospel that gives hope to all men, offers the righteousness of God to all men by faith alone, and lastly, is demonstrated through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. And I beseech you, as new covenant kings and priests unto God, do not rest until this power is upon your life. There are people that should be with us in church And it's not because we have not told them the truth. They have not seen the truth. There's nothing impressive about our Christianity. There's no signs. There's no wonders that are happening through our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your children are waiting for that part of the gospel. Your grandchildren are waiting for that part of the gospel. Our streets in Baton Rouge are waiting for that part of the gospel. We can have a church on every street corner and we can have our radio time and our air time and and everything. But if there is no demonstration of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders, then the gospel is just half delivered. And so for us to be able to have that. Now listen, it is not in your ability to do it. It is for you to believe and to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As, as Jesus so said to the apostles that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not in you. The Holy Spirit coming in you is your new birth. The Holy Spirit coming upon you is your endowment of power. And so if we are going to preach a full gospel, we have got to be baptized 
with the baptism of Jesus Christ. It is amazing how we all want to be baptized with the baptism of a minister in water. And we all want to be baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. But what's so amazing is how few believers want to be baptized with the baptism of Jesus Christ into the Holy Spirit. Again, it is not him coming in you. It is him coming upon you. And so then that power of God begins to work through our life. And we can literally demonstrate that the kingdom of heaven is among you. Because there will be power in that. There will be witness in that. There will be testimony in that everywhere we go and as we go about in the world. And so there are other scriptures we could read, but I want to move forward in this just a little bit. God allows his kingdom to be effective through delegated authority. That's why Jesus made you a king. So that he could work through your life with delegated authority. Another, in other words, which most of you are familiar with, the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So that we are delegates of another kingdom operating in another kingdom. And so we are here and bless God, we live in the greatest nation on the earth, you know, and, and I pray to somehow we can have an awakening to keep it that way. But bless God, we get to live in the United States of America, but our chief occupation is not Americans. But we are citizens of heaven, and we are on assignment to be ambassadors of heaven on earth. And we're not here to barter with nations. We are here to declare the things of God. God is not making compromises. God is taking over, people. He's taking over. He's coming back to this world to take over. And so we are here as his ambassadors to make that declaration. So, so there is a, a political authority that we have as the kings and the priests of Jesus Christ. And so he's given us delegated authority. He's given us the keys to the kingdom, if you will. As he says in Matthew chapter 18, he says, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's the short-sightedness of most of, of our prayers as believers that we pray and ask God for things that basically just concern me and my little world. When Jesus was acting on earth, he was not acting for himself. He was demonstrating the kingdom. When God sent Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt, What were the miracles that were happening through Moses demonstrating? They were demonstrating the kingdom. That's what they were demonstrating. Everything that that Moses did, every miracle that Moses performed was a challenge to one of the Egyptian gods. And so the kingdom of God was overthrowing the kingdom of hell. And when we begin to have that perspective that the king is more important than us, And the desires of the king are more important than our desires, which is really, really hard for Americans to grasp. But it is the biblical concept, the kingdom first, the king first, and everything's for them. And then we begin to live our lives in that way. Like if y'all get to, if y'all got to hear Shannon's testimony or her preaching during the conference, oh my gosh. 
I know it's carnal to say you have a favorite, you know, but that was the best. I mean, that was just absolutely the best. And, and so she's just preaching, you know, in the midst of her sickness. Oh, God for you. God for you. And it was like God came to her at one moment and, and asked her, what do you want me to do for you? And she could have said, I want you to take all of this away. But she didn't. She said, I want it for you. Man, that's, that's, that's kingdom life. That's an astonishment. That is a power right there. That, that causes people to, who know her to sit back and say, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That amazes me. That astounds me. And so it's just absolutely beautiful. And so it's kingdom living. And we have to begin to think that way. We have to live that way and operate that way. That first and foremost, it's the kingdom. What did Jesus tell us to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be taken care of, but pursue the will of the king. And so when we begin to do that, you're going to see the miracles, the authority, the power, the casting out of devils, the curing of of sick. Like we have testimonies every month of things like that happening in in our lives and, and in our testimonies. The dangerous assumption in being a king is this. And I want you to understand it. How do we as new covenant kings impose the will of heaven? I would say this, make sure it's the will of heaven. And not your will trying to impose itself on heaven. Make sure it's the will of heaven. Spend time with the king. To know what he wants. This is only possible again through the Holy Spirit. You cannot have communion or fellowship with God apart from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit hears the deep things of God. And he shares them with you. This is what he's saying. This is what he desires. This is what he wants. And he speaks to you. And when he speaks to you, authority comes in that. And now by faith you go and you enact that. The dangerous assumption is that men will sometimes think that God left them here to run everything with the Bible as their instruction manual. That is the tragedy of the church. And that is why we have so many denominations, so many different forms of church government, and so many divisions. Is because men got it in their minds that we were supposed to run everything on behalf of God with the Bible as our instruction manual. And with the Bible, we beat up people who didn't look like us. and didn't act like us. And we didn't like their personalities. And we didn't like their demeanors. And so we would beat them up with that. Because they didn't come the way we wanted them to come. But God left the Holy Spirit here to run things, not us. Because we would never run it right. God left the Holy Spirit to run things as it concerns the church. Not America. Not our government. Not our president. Not our scientist. The Holy Ghost runs the church. Not pastors, not committees, not deacons. The Holy Ghost runs the church, leads the church, 
directs the church. And when men put their hands on it, that's when it all unravels and becomes probably one of the weakest things you will find on the earth. The Holy Spirit runs the church through those who are truly redeemed and humbled before him. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, these are the spiritual. They're broken and they're humble and they desire the will of the king. They're not left as an authority to themselves. They're scared of their authority and they're scared of their responsibility. They willingly put people around them to help them pray and seek the counsel of God and to search the scriptures out to make sure nothing is contradicting the things of God because the Holy Spirit will never go against the word of God. The Holy Spirit that inspired the scriptures, they are desperate to have his inspiration to understand it. They do not casually go to the Bible. They prayerfully go to the Bible. Desperate for the Holy Spirit to explain it to them. He is their teacher and without him they cannot see. And without him they cannot hear. And they know that all too well. So they are very desperate for him. You cannot have the supernatural of the church by studying the letters, the epistles, and the gospels. You will not have the supernatural that way. As a matter of fact, Jesus stood in front of the greatest minds of his day, the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers who knew the the law and Moses inside and out, knew it all together. And he said to them, you search the scriptures for therein you think you have eternal life. But they are those things that speak of me. And here are these brilliant men who knew the scriptures inside and out. And the Messiah, God in the flesh, standing nose to nose with them, they could not recognize him. So just through studying epistles and letters and gospels will not give you the supernatural of the church. We have to have help. And that help is the Holy Spirit. Because all of this is spiritual which manifests itself in the natural. I just want to read this to you. The Bible is not simply an instruction book that you run out to and merely seek to apply it. Only Jesus was able to do that. The Bible is a promise book by which you act, believing for a miracle to to occur inside of you because the Bible promises it will. It is the book of truth, And in it, you are not simply looking for how to live, but the one who gives you the power to live. Thus you live applying God's word by faith, and the miracle is that the Holy Spirit comes to your faith and does what you cannot do. He comes, and where you seek for that word to be fulfilled inside of you, by faith you believe it to be true, and the Holy Spirit makes it true. It is the word of God. God speaks on purpose. He sends his word to accomplish things. Thus, his word is sent out for you to believe it. And by believing, you act. And by acting, you are assured that the word will be made real in your life. So, for example, is there anything astounding or amazing about your Christianity? 
Are there signs and wonders in your Christianity? And it's not to look at yourself and maybe feel overly depressed or condemned if there are not. But it is for you to begin to believe that God, if you have a gospel that can save anybody and everybody. And you desire this gospel to be accompanied with signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe you can do that in me. And I submit myself and pray, fill me with your spirit. It's the promise that it can be, and it's the recognition that it's not happening in me, but it can happen in me. Therefore, by faith, I'm going to pursue that, and God's going to make it happen in me. Or we can just sit back and say, you know what? I'm content with the way things are. Which means you're probably not kingdom-minded. You probably don't understand the desires of your king or really care that his kingdom is demonstrated on the earth. And even for that attitude, you can come before God in humility and say, change my heart and make me care. And he will do that. We can't even do that. But he will do that for us. How beautiful. How wonderful is our great king to do all of those things for us. And so when the Bible tells me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That he's given me a promise that I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I cannot fill myself with the Holy Spirit. He does that. But by telling me to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is the assurance that he wants me to be. And I don't have to beg him to do it. I have to believe him to do it. And so if I believe in God to fill me with the Holy Spirit, then the Bible tells me how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when the Bible tells me how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is only now a matter of faith if I'm going to do that or not. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, Redeem the time for the days are evil. Don't be drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves. And psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks. All right. That's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not, a, it's not a calisthenic. It's an act of faith. Now, I am going to speak to myself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I'm going to sing and make a melody unto the Lord in my heart. And I'm going to give thanks. All of that in faith that he's going to fill me with his Holy Spirit. But I don't have to do it. And neither do you. You don't have to speak to yourself. You don't have to sing hymns. You don't have to sing spiritual songs, which is the making up of your own song to God from your spirit, singing in the spirit, singing in your tongues, worshiping the Lord and giving thanks. You don't have to do any of that. 
But you can't say that God wouldn't fill me with his Holy Spirit. No, you wouldn't act in faith. To be filled with the Holy Spirit Spirit is not mystical things. But our traditions keep us from reality. But we are kings and priests unto God. So it's not about me. It's about the king. And why do I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I am desperate for the Holy Spirit if I'm to walk in authority. If I'm to walk in power. If there is to be a demonstration of God's Spirit through my life, I have to have the Holy Spirit empowering me and filling me and enduing me with the ability to do. I'm content with nothing less. That is what I want. And I'm so grateful to be around so many who also desire the same thing. So I can put the word in my head and not put the faith to action and nothing ever happens. Or I may not be able to memorize the whole of Scripture. I might have a horrible memory, but I know the intent of the Spirit. And I live by faith, believe in that. And I receive the benefit of the promise because I'm trusting God. If the book does not affect you, the Spirit doesn't affect you. And how do you know that the book affects you? Because you're pursuing the promise of it. Faith is an action. And it is moving. And it is acting in your life. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you have given us such a privilege to serve you, to serve the King, to serve the kingdom of God in this hour and this day. And Lord, you warned us that in this day and in this hour that the church would be overrun with a form of godliness, but the people denying the power of God, refusing the power of God. I thank you, Lord, that we can come this morning and not refuse you and say we want you. We need you to fill us. We need you to come upon us. We desire your power. We desire to preach a full gospel because that's what the people are waiting on. That's what you're waiting on. And so, Father, we pray that you would increase your anointing towards us so that not only with the words that we say and the gospel that we proclaim, that it would also be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders, that you would do things through our life and through the gospel preaching that only you can do. And people will be amazed at you. And they'll ask us about it. And we will declare that Jesus lives. And Jesus reigns. And Jesus has taken over. This world will not be left to devils or rebels. But God has taken over. And let us preach that coming kingdom. With excitement and joy and authority and power. Not in word only. But in power. Transform us, God. Thank you. Thank you for revealing these things to us in your word. We give you honor and glory. These altars are open. You want to come pray? You want to come pray and ask the Lord to fill you with his power? You want something in your Christianity to be different? You want something in your Christianity to be amazing? 
receive him. Receive.